2: Hey guys, hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast. So guys, the Monaco Grand Prix, it always starts a day early. And you know what, Kunal, I really like that because it feels like my dose of Formula 1 action is coming to me a day earlier in the week, so I have to wait less.
0: Absolutely. And the day early start in Monaco also means that we got the chance to record this episode right after the free practice sessions. And... About the free practice sessions, I personally feel that Ferrari are now too embarrassed to end up being on the top of the timing sheets. Because, you know, they have been ridiculed just so much for topping the timing sheets on Friday, only to lose everything by Sunday.
2: Yeah, it's almost like they were peaking too early. But Kunal, come to think of it, Ferrari didn't top the Friday uh, World Championship timing (laughs) sheets in Barcelona. Uh, the race and in the test that followed after. And also in Monaco, you know, they were way off the pace in the free practice sessions.
0: But look out from for Max Verstappen and Red Bull Racing. They are absolutely over-delivering in 2019. And I also believe that the other two Red Bull Racing drivers, Pierre Gasly and Alexander Albon, they are probably in for a really good finish as well.
2: But the key question that everyone's been asking and I'm also going to ask Kunal, do you think Mercedes can win all the races in 2019?
0: Okay, so before we discuss that, here's what's in store for you in this week's episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast. But of course, we wonder if Mercedes can and will actually win every race of 2019.
2: This episode is actually a collection of what they said this week. Uh, Guys, we have lots of quotes and comments and Also, please look out for Lucien's Moments in Time section that's coming up also in this episode.
0: We discuss the rumors about one Pablo Montoya being appointed as Lance Stroll's driver coach.
2: And we discuss how Daniel Ricciardo's move to Renault is literally like him being demoted to Toro Rosso.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, for your weekly dose of Formula 1 humor, remember to subscribe to us on iTunes, Audio Boom, and on Google Podcasts. So now back to your question can Mercedes win all races in 2019 Now honestly I wanted to wait till the end of you know free practice from Monaco before answering this question because there's absolute wide scale belief that Monaco is where Mercedes's winning streak could end And ironically I must remind uh, you and all our listeners that it was Monaco where Formula E's a streak of 8 different drivers, winning the eight uh, first races of the season ended. So who knows if Monaco does a repeat of that for Formula 1.
2: Yeah, but honestly, apart from Max Verstappen, who I think Kunal, he has an outside chance I would say. I really doubt that Mercedes can be challenged whatsoever in Monaco. Uh, I remember back in 2013, uh, Nico Rosberg, he took pole and then he drove a really slow race in Monaco to claim victory and that's what Daniel Ricciardo did last year as well. Yes,
0: I was there in 2013 in Monaco. I saw that race and it was not called the Silver Arrows. Those cars were called the Silver Buses that year.
2: Yeah, so basically that's what Ricciardo did last year. He took pole and then his engine had uh, an issue, but he still won. So that's Monaco for you.
0: And there is still good reason to believe that Red Bull Racing and Max Verstappen could be trying exactly that. Get a mega pole lap and then control the pace from you know, P1 if they end up being there. And uh, we've actually got the best version of Max Verstappen that there is out there. So if he keeps it clean, they may really have a chance. Although I must remind you that uh, Max Verstappen nudged his favourite barriers at the swimming pool section in FP2 this year and we know how he crashed there itself mm-hmm. last year as well, giving up the race wing at that time.
2: Yeah, I think, Max, we all get the hint that you will be in the pool in case your race doesn't go as per plan on Sunday. <laughs> or actually, maybe he'll also be in the pool if the race goes as per plan, because Red Bull Racing has a history of dunking all their drivers in. Yes. So and I, who knows? And I'm <laughs>
0: sure that the new, the energy station pool is also like worth diving into if you win, like we remember all the <laughs> famous <laughs> driver Red Bull drivers who won there before doing
2: Yeah, so I just remember that one race where Kimi Raikkonen raced for McLaren and his uh, car had a brake failure. And then he went straight into one of the yachts to get the party started.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And since we're talking of the yesteryears, I'm also reminded of the 2012 Formula 1 season. We had seven different winners winning the first seven races of the season.
2: My god, that's like this distant dream for Formula 1. Kunal, I wonder if we'll ever go back to those days
0: well in our last episode we spoke of a protest against formula one in monaco a taxi drivers union is protesting now i would like to completely deny that we have any hand whatsoever in that protest.
2: (laughs) Gunal, we were encouraging our fans to protest last episode, so really, I hope we're not involved. (laughs) But honestly, for Monaco, Formula One is doing something quite interesting. So they ran a promotion urging fans to use social media to send their favourite drivers a motivational message. And I remember from the last few years, these messages will be printed on a board and then they'll be held in front of the driver's car on the start grid.
0: The key question for me actually is whether we'll have grid girls or grid boys holding these printed boards. Good
2: question. Okay, (laughs)
0: they're actually now called promotional girls or promotional boys. So I don't know which gender or a mix of both the genders it'll be. But given that there is almost no engagement in a Formula 1 race after the start and that the races in Monaco have a higher probability of it being boring, uh, I can understand why Formula 1 is going out of its way to engage with with fans using social media.
2: But, guys, the start of the week of the Monaco Grand Prix brought in some really sad news for all of us. Uh, The passing away of Nicky Lauda. And, Kunal, it's so heartening to see that every car and driver is running a tribute. Because, honestly, for me, and I think many, many of our listeners out there, Nicky Lauda was the real-life star of Rush. What a legend.
0: And of Formula One, because... I remember I had a very brief interaction with Nicky Lauda himself at the 2013 Indian Grand Prix. Uh, I remember that Lauda was, you know, walking around in the paddock and he spotted uh, the Osindia India junior driver Jehan Daruvala posing, you know, for the media uh, with his trophy that he won uh, after being crowned the British KF3 champion. So Lauda stopped by to congratulate Jehan and I'm pretty sure at that time he probably didn't know who Jehan was and he even posed for pictures. And I was oh, so touched by that.
2: What a man. You know, a few weeks ago when Tiger Woods won the Masters and everyone was jumping up and down to hail his victory as the best sporting comeback in history or something like that. And I remember thinking like, you know, these guys are just overlooking Nikki Lauda and his heroic comeback. Or comebacks actually, because he's had more than one comeback.
0: Absolutely. Nikki Lauda's comeback after his first crash in 1976 was absolutely heroic as we all know. And then, of course, he retired and he came back to Formula 1 with McLaren after a three-year break. And he still won a world championship. So, Niki Lauda was actually the king of all comebacks.
2: Absolutely. Niki Lauda, thank you so much for all the memories. And Formula 1 is really, really going to miss you.
0: Yes, and former said he's, you know, winning the titles in 2019 would no longer be about beating Ferrari's records. it will actually be about winning everything they can for Nicky Lauda himself.
2: How's that for added motivation? It could it's sad, but Formula One has lost two iconic paddock figures in just the last few months. So, Charlie Whiting just before Australia and now Nicky Lauda just before Monaco. Strangely, uh, Zanvot has been in the news for the last few weeks, and it was this very circuit where Nikki won his final Formula One race back in 1985. It's a strange and, coincidence. Yes,
0: and you know he shared the podium back then with Alan Frost and with Ayrton Senna. Wow. Right. But moving on, you know, like we said at the start, this episode is going to be a collection of what they said this week, and the they in this statement includes Stodolov, Robert Kubica, and. Renault
2: and then of course Ferrari too but I'm gonna start by talking about Toto Wolf. so he said that Mercedes are not targeting 21 wins in 2019.
0: (laughs) He's being pretty humble that chap but then the question is how many races can Ferrari win in 2019?
2: Or can they win at all literally?
0: Yeah you know Ferrari has many issues as Sebastian Vettel and tyres being one of them.
2: Matteo Binotto said that Ferrari's car design could be limiting.
0: And despite them saying that, McLaren are said to be adopting a very similar car design philosophy as Ferraris. So I won't be surprised if McLaren go down that road and Zac Brown will then make a statement again saying, Oh, our car design is very <laughs> limiting, you know, but uh, Helmut Marco is pretty certain that Ferrari will slip down further in the rankings. Let's just see... If that comes true, and how much further down can they go?
2: I'm very curious to see if Ferrari will use team orders in Monaco too. Uh, because what, four out of the last five races this season, the team has used team orders.
0: And Monaco is Charles Leclerc's home Grand Prix. So let's hope that they behave nicely with him. Mark Webber said that Ferrari should give up on the 2019 Formula One season campaign and focus on 2020 if they aren't beating Mercedes by Canada. Well, that's basically the race after Monaco. So.
2: Wow, yes. Very you know. close. Uh, Binot has said that Ferrari is considering participating in eSports and Netflix. I really wonder why Kunal Ferrari is just so slow in their goddamn decision-making. Just so slow everywhere, you know?
0: You know, and honestly, the participation in the Netflix show is a no-brainer. Like, every team, every driver, including the Marshalls, including the FI, including Formula 1, should all be a part of the show and, you know, be a part of the storytelling. But uh, I I just remember reading the news that Eddie Irvine's Ferrari was stolen by a potential buyer while it was out on a test drive. Now, okay, I know that Irvine wasn't like the current owner. He had sold the car and it was further being sold. But uh, it was one of the Ferraris that he owned from his days when he was driving for Ferrari.
2: Yeah, Kunal, I wonder if the car would have been stolen if it was a Mercedes sports car. (laughs) (laughs) But I think just about everything is going wrong for Ferrari. Ferrari. Uh, but amid all this, Binota said that there is no panic. How very zen-like of him.
0: Yes, I wonder if they're all cl- cracking jokes in the, in the paddock and the motorhome and the garages, the red-coloured ones. But uh, I know, you know, while you're probably laughing with us through this whole section on Ferrari, let's applaud Sebastian Vettel's gesture of sending a handwritten note to Niki Lauda after his surgery last year.
2: That's true, because Sebastian Vettel the racer, you know, we, we've spoken a lot about him and, you know, a lot leave, is left to be desired lately. But the person that he is outside the cockpit, Kunal, we've spoken about this, I think in the last episode as well. He's so inspiring. He's so humble, you know, really, a really down-to-earth guy.
0: All you budding racers out there, there is a lot to learn from Sebastian Vettel the racer as well as Sebastian Vettel the human being. So, all the best, right? But I'm moving on to what Renault said, you know, so a few weeks ago, Cyril said that Cyril. 20, yes, I, I, I'm not gonna say the last thing. <laughs> <name. skip> now. <laughs> he said that 2021 is Renault's key year of focus. But then a few days ago, Renault said that it was actually too early to shift focus onto 2021. So I wonder what Renault are gonna do between now and then. Because clearly there is a lot of time left.
2: Maybe just wait patiently for the 2021 rules. Liberty Media said a few days ago that the rule changes are coming.
0: I mean, they've been saying that since a while. But they're
2: coming, Kunal. (laughs) Have faith. They're coming.
0: (laughs) Renault also said that they have the assets, the resources and the budget to turn the 2019 season around. And it was only last week when Cyril said that Renault's resources were less than that of McLaren's. And that their budget was just about that of Toro Rosso.
2: Basically, Kunal Cyril said that Daniel Ricciardo is racing for Toro Rosso without actually being
0: demoted. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch, that must hurt. But finally, what Robert Kubica said. Now, he has been giving a lot of excuses since the start of the season. And well, yeah, we're, we're going to really just read some of them out. Yeah. I'm
2: so sad because his comeback is not going to be remembered for much. Other than the fact that he failed to match pace with rookie driver George Russell.
0: In Australia, Robert Krubitsa crashed the car and actually blamed the car for the crash. He said that it behaved unexpectedly because it actually went faster.
2: (laughs) He wasn't expecting the car to go so fast. Yeah. Yeah, I remember he blamed his chassis in China and in Spain. Uh, And then he said that Russell could overtake him because he got distracted while making changes on the settings to his steering wheel or something, yeah.
0: Well, I really hope that, you know, over the next 16 races, the story of Robert Kubica's comeback gets rewritten.
2: I hope he really, like, comes back, you know? Yeah,
0: thank you, yes. The other disappointment earlier in the week was that of Fernando Alonso, his triple crown attempt has to wait for yet another year
2: this means that we will be hearing about the Triple ca- Crown. And you know, Triple Crown related stories for another 365 <laughs> days. Save me. <laughs> but Alonso said that he has no plans for 2020. Uh, I think that's a big hint of what his plans could include. <laughs> Basically anything,
0: everything. Yeah, Indy 500 most definitely. So although I wouldn't be surprised if Alonso raced the next Indy 500 with another team and not... McLaren.
2: Yeah, I don't think we want to wait another 365 years all over again. <laughs> but let's hope that the race-winning teams in the IndyCar series don't ignore him the way top teams do in Formula 1.
0: Oh yes, absolutely.
2: <laughs> By the way, a Formula E driver, I think it was Lucas de Grasse, he uh, came onto Twitter and he broke the news that the Brazilian oil company, Petrobras, was looking to get out of their sponsorship contract with McLaren.
0: You know, it's just so surprising how news can break or even rumors can spread these days all via social media. And still on to Alonso, he has also become a race consultant. I don't know what that means, but he's become a race consultant for an upcoming racing game called Grid. And you know what I found really cheeky was that this announcement was made days after Fernando Alonso failed to make it to the grid of the upcoming Indy 500. (laughs) So brands are still milking the interest in Alonso and Indy 500 out there, even though he's not at the Indy (laughs) 500. That's
2: hilarious. Actually, the only other driver who can, you know, claim the triple crown, or who's en route to claiming it, is Juan Pablo Montoya. And Kunal beat this. So Montoya has been rumoured to be coaching Lance Stroll in the last race in Spain.
0: Well, if Montoya actually has the time to travel to Formula One races... I would really recommend that Racing Point put Montoya in the car instead of Lance Stroll.
2: I second that.
0: <laughs> I mean, in in Thursday's practice sessions in Monaco, we all know what Stroll ended up doing. But let me also put it this way. This year's changed driver weight rules will actually work in the favor of Juan Pablo Montoya if he decides <laughs> to come back and start racing in Formula One. That's funny
2: and true. <laughs> And Montoya said that Valtteri Bottas is a far more complete driver than Nico Rosberg. So I'm really looking forward to seeing where Bottas lands up this season.
0: But going back to Brazil, Interlagos will continue to host Formula 1 till at least 2021 because the Rio circuit is yet under construction. And guys, no prizes for guessing who is the designer of the Rio circuit, okay?
2: Okay, so guys, before we sign off and hand over to Lucien, uh, some more news, uh, Mercedes, McLaren and Renault will give Pirelli modified 2018 cars for testing their 18-inch wheel rims for 2021.
0: Now that's actually smart planning by Formula 1 because they've offered a car from the front of the field, from the middle and from the b- bottom of the field for <laughs> testing. So Pirelli will Ouch. get data, you know, across all the the all the spectrum of lap times. Yeah. Okay, okay. so on to next is Lucien with his Moments in Time section. The Monaco Grand Prix has been on the calendar ever since. So, you know, there have been lots of incidents which Lucien is going to share with us right away.
1: Welcome to Formula One Moments in Time with Lucien Byfield. This time, we look at the history of the Monaco Grand Prix of the past. Monaco strangely suited some drivers and others never found success there. Take Nigel Mansell, for instance. Despite leading and having pole positions, something always went wrong. And yet Senna and Prost dominated this circuit for a full ten years. Nelson Piquet never came to terms with the track. Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg have dominated there. Mark Webber was a specialist and even Daniel Ricciardo has shone on more than one occasion. One name that cannot be omitted is Hill. Now, Damon was great at Monaco too, but bad luck would make sure he didn't add his name to the history books. Yet his father Graham was nicknamed Mr Monaco for his five wins. As for the track, it is a tight, twisty circuit with barely any runoff areas. It's bumpy, it undulates, and there are barriers everywhere, all making Monaco totally unsuitable for modern Formula 1 racing. Monaco is far more about spectacle and being seen than pure racing. Having said that, in 1996 it should have been Damon Hill on the top step of the podium, but reliability robbed him of a certain win. So we saw Olivier Panis win in the Ligier, in 2004, in a year of total dominance by Michael Schumacher and the bulletproof Ferrari of that era, came a bizarre tangle in the tunnel when under a safety car Montoya clouted him heavily. What resulted was a wonderful battle between Jarno Trulli and Jensen Button. With Jarno Trulli, you've got to say Jarno Trulli. Anyway, at that time, both without an F1 win to their names, Jarno Trulli won superbly. So to 1982, one of the craziest races in the history of Formula One. Alain Prost completely dominated in the Renault, and with a few laps to go, the rain came. Prost elected to stay out and crashed with a couple of laps to go. There is not enough time to go into all of the details, look it up on YouTube, but with a few potential winners throwing it away for one reason or another, Ricardo Patrese, who had also thrown it away, somehow still came through and won the race. A few notable crashes, disasters and spectacles come to mind. Senna in 88, that pole position lap. Then the crash at Portier in the race when dominating. How about Alex Vers tangling and passing Michael Schumacher in '98 in the Grand Hotel hairpin? What about Kimi Räikkönen fishtailing and taking out Adrian Sutil? Kimi didn't give a f- <coughs> excuse me. How about Lewis Hamilton hitting the guardrail the same year, wrecking a wheel, yet still managing to win the race? Of course, there was the massive crash with Karl Wenglinger, ending in a coma, which pretty much ruined his career in '94. Button also had a clang of air too in 2003, as did Perez in 2011. Alberto Ascari in 55 and Aussie Paul Hawkins in 65 both ended their respective races in the harbour. Sadly, Lorenzo Bandini was not so lucky in 1967. He was stuck in his burning car and died a few days later from his multiple injuries and burns. Possibly the most famous race there in its history is the 1984 race. Basically, in a crazy wet race, Prost was headed for the win, but Senna in his first year, in a Tolman, was catching. But Stefan Beloff in the Tyrrell was doing the same to Senna. In short, the race was red flagged just as Senna was about to take the lead. The double irony of this race is this. Firstly, Prost only got half points for winning a shortened race, yet would have had more points if he had come second in a full length race. And secondly, Senna had clouted the chicane so hard during the race that he was actually unlikely to finish which his team confirmed and still do to this day. So, Prost may have won the race anyway. It was Prost who lost the title by half a point, and this race played a massive role in that outcome. Wrapping it up, got a shout-out to Niki Lauda. Rest in peace, what a champion. Well, that's it for now. Thanks for tuning in to Formula 1 Moments in Time with Lucien Byfield. Bye for now. Thank you, Lucien. That was
2: really, really interesting.
0: My favourite memory of Monaco is always going to be Michael Schumacher's parking of his Ferrari at Rascas I mean that move had just so much guts in him you know it just showed that he owned Formula One and he could do whatever he wanted of course he was penalized but just the very fact that he thought that he could pull off the move is is what (laughs) is why it's etched in my memory
2: yeah okay now now this is my favorite part of the podcast where I ask you for predictions
0: I think Mercedes will want to claim win here. You know, they've not won in Monaco since three years and that usually hasn't happened in the hybrid turbo era. Although I hope it's Valtteri Bottas over Lewis Hamilton because we need that for the Drivers' Championship.
2: Yeah, I agree. You know, choosing anything but a Mercedes win seems foolish. But Kunal, I really hope that Verstappen is at least able to split them. But uh, what do you think of the best of the rest?
0: Well, if they finish, I think it's going to be Daniel Ricciardo or Nico Hülkenberg for my pick.
2: Okay, I'm going to stick my neck out a little bit and I'm going to go with Kimi Raikkonen because Kunal, it is his 300th Grand Prix in Monaco. So I think he deserves it.
0: Yes, and let's hope that Albon's Thursday free practice pace is not like the Ferrari's pace in the free practice sessions because if that's the case, we are in for a really good result with Alexander Albon. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you a few days after Monaco.
2: Adios!